Hey guys, and welcome to Hunting Land, presented by Great Days Outdoors Magazine. If you like to stay up to date on hunting tactics, land management, land values, and land market dynamics, this is the podcast for you. This week's show is brought to you by Pyramid Air. At Pyramid Air, they believe air guns are for everyone, from big game hunting to fun trigger time to firearm training. Big selection, fast shipping, the air gun experts. Find out more at PyramidAir.com. And also, Sun South. Everyone loves the great outdoors, but let's face it, the heat can be brutal for those never-ending summer projects. At SunSouth, they get it. With fast and efficient John Deere equipment from SunSouth, you'll spend less time sweating and more time doing. And with 0% financing up to 72 months on select equipment, you'll not only save time, you'll save money. And that's pretty cool. Do more and save more with John Deere from SunSouth. Equipment for those that do. Some restrictions apply. See dealer for details. Expires July 31st, 2021. And also brought to you by Brush Clearing Services. Are you interested in building a healthy, sustainable habitat for a wide range of wildlife? If so, Brush Clearing Services and their 20 years of wildlife management experience should be your first choice. Brush Clearing Services environmental clearing treatment selectively removes vegetation, leaving desirable trees and root structures undisturbed. Mulch left on site accelerates natural decomposition and reduces soil erosion while increasing soil moisture. Check out their full line of property and land services at Brush Clearing services.com or call them 706-718-1690. I'm Joe Baia here with my co-host Clint Flowers and the topic of today's show is going to be trapping. Let's get into this man. We're going to learn all about coyote trapping right here during fawning season. So today joining us from North American Trapper we've got Alan Probes and before we get there let's check back in and get this month's land financing rate update. Let's go talk to Justin Jernigan with Alabama Ag Credit out of Dothan, Alabama. Justin, welcome to Hunting Land, man. Tell us a little bit about what you do over in Dothan and uh, what kind of land y'all financing over there. What do y'all do a lot of in the wire grass? Oh, man, we do uh, do all kind of, you know, same as what the rest of the offices with Alabama Ag Credit do. Of course, we see a, see a lot more of uh, smaller tracks, the 40 and makers and below, people looking to get out of the city and have a little hunting land, a little recreational spot. Seeing a lot of home sites here lately, you know, the little five and 10 acres where people are wanting to buy, go ahead and buy the land and, and get ready to build their dream home. You know, so we're, we're seeing a lot of that in the wiregrass here. It's a good bit of poultry in that area too. Uh, you know, I went to Troy and, and Auburn and very familiar with that area. Um, y'all, y'all selling a lot of poultry farms right now or, or finance a lot of poultry farms right now? Yeah, doing a lot of, a lot of selling going on with poultry farms where people are kind of getting out of it. Some of the, as far as new construction stuff has slowed down over the past couple of years, but you got three big integrators over here with Tyson Foods, you've got Wayne Farms, and you've got uh, Pilgrim Pride. And then, of course, you know, here in Houston County, we got a little bit of Purdue growers in this area that do a lot of the egg production for Purdue Farms. But, you know, of course, like Wayne Farms is the number one producer for the Chick-fil-A, you know, so if you eat Chick-fil-A, you know, most of that chicken that you're eating is coming from right here around our growers here on the wiregrass. Well, you know, here we are wrapping up second quarter of 2021. I mean, I know in my markets that you mentioned it earlier, but that home site, you know, those those folks looking for some acreage to build a house on is definitely a hot market. Sounds like y'all are seeing the same thing. What about recreational tracks? I'm, I mean, they're in the wiregrass. Uh, are you seeing plenty of demand for those uh, types of tracks as well? Oh, yeah. Still a huge demand for recreational tracks. A lot of people, you know, they, they get t- kind of tired of the hunting leases and they start looking for that 50 acres or more to, to have their own hunting track. Uh, it really, really picks up around the fall time of the year 
uh, and even right after hunting season where people, you know, have been hunting, maybe hunting a property and it came up for sale and they're ready to buy it. So those, those recreational tracks like that are really, really huge in the wiregrass. Uh, still have a lot of timber tracks, just like anywhere else. You know, they, there's a lot of timber up around this area as well that people are investing in as well. So, uh, you know, so you do see a lot of that type land transactions as well too. So I know you guys do some equipment financing. I mean, when we've talked with folks that are selling really any kind of equipment as it pertains to recreational pursuits, whether that be tractors and, you know, implements and trailers and RVs and things like that, it it has been bananas ever since COVID. Y'all still seeing a lot of demand for equipment? And also, what kind of rates are y'all doing on equipment right now? Yeah, still seeing a huge demand for equipment. You know, a lot of people are, you know, they go out and they buy the land and then they, you know, it it doesn't matter if it's five acres, you still got to take care of it. So you see a lot of people come back in and say, well, hey, I need to go buy a tractor or I need a bush hog or, you know, I, I need to get some type of equipment to help me take care of this property. So we get a lot of demand for that to come back to us. Uh, you know, of course, like with our equipment financing, new or used, of course, you know, most people are kind of looking more towards the used market uh, to save a little bit of money there. But, you know, looking around a five-year term on equipment, of course, you know, rates right now around the five years, probably around three and a half or so. Uh, of course, you get your dividend. Uh, that we pay back too. So it gets you down in the, you know, the 2% range as far as what a rate would cost you, you know, so you, you, you see a lot of people that come back and, and buy that equipment from us. Yeah. That's, uh, that's tough to beat those rates still. I mean, I know we've seen a little uptick in rates, but man, effective rates in the twos. I don't know what you'd be waiting on <laughs> if you're waiting on it to get better than that. Well, they just dropped a little bit, didn't they? They have, uh, rates have come back down some here lately, you know, and that, that's kind of been a, unforeseen type thing going on with the market you kind of look at a lot of the treasuries and things like that that we're basing rates off of and you know you kind of see things go up one week and then all of a sudden rates are coming back down the next week so the the market as far as rates have gone has been pretty level for for most of this year it seemed like what little bit of action there's been has been pretty low you know so you say it went up or it went down i mean you're talking about you know pennies on the dollar oh it is Uh, it is so and this you know i still remember when i bought my first house and we were in the, you know, like six and a half percent. Everybody's jumping up and down about, you better lock that in. You'll never get lower than that. Nobody saw coming what <laughs> has, has came, you know, so it's as much as I hate having low savings rates in the, and excuse me, rates in the savings accounts. It sure is nice having these low interest rates to, to buy land with. For sure. And it, and it's still a, a hot market. You know, every, everybody's still out looking for land. I, I promise you that, especially in the wire graphs. Oh, it's, it's been bananas and I'm jealous. You guys get a lot more open ground for that pretty farmland over there and apparently Chick-fil-A nuggets too. Oh yeah. Clint, uh, I know in my market, there's been a lot of cash deals, uh, that I've done the last year. Have you seen the same thing? You know, we're talking about the financing race, but are you, have you seen a lot of these cash deals? Yeah. I mean, I have, but at the same time, there's a lot of people that are they're making so much money in the market stock market right now or either private equity deals that it doesn't make sense to lose a high double digit return to pay cash for something that you can borrow at these low rates that we're talking about here. So, you know, three to 6% loan versus a double digit, sometimes in the forties and sixties and seventies and one, a few people even into the 90% return year to date in the market. Uh, so they don't want to give that up. So even though they can pay cash, they're, they're borrowing to take advantage of these low fixed rates. Uh, and they're just going to ride the wave in the equities until that starts to shake up. 
Yeah, no doubt. I mean, golly, it's not it's not hard to beat, you know, 3% right now anyway. But, uh, you know, Justin, for folks that have either put together a cash deal, uh, maybe they own some land outright and they've paid cash for it, they own it outright, or they're considering uh, putting together that cash deal. What kind of options do y'all offer folks that maybe already own a piece of land and want to get access to some funds to do something else? Maybe that's buy the piece next door or make some improvements on that property, putting in a pond, putting in some kind of a, tell you what else has been hot this year has been barn dominiums. Uh, all you have to do is say barn oh, yeah. dominium and everybody's happy. What do y'all offer for folks that don't need a loan necessarily to buy land uh, and already have land? All right, yeah, kind of, kind of back to what we were talking about as far as, uh, being able to get some of the equity out of your land as far as you want, you know, if you own it free and clear, if you just pay cash for it. We do offer all kind of options that are out there as far as, you know, line of credits for the, the improvements that you're wanting to do. You know, we got operating lines. If you're doing timber investment and you see yourself that, you know, you're going to buy and sell some timber off that property or whatever, you know, we, we have operating lines that are out there that is great for a lot of people. Uh, you have a lot of people who want to go back in and put ponds. You know, that's there again, you can do a little short term fixed rate on that property to, to go back in and do an improvement to it. Uh, we see a lot of people who buy just open land and, you know, they want to turn in and do some fencing. You know, of course, we can do that. We can also do the cattle loan for you. So you want to go back in and put some cattle on it. We can do a cattle loan for you. There's just many options out there that you can do. Like I said, if you've got the equity in the land or if you if you paid cash for it and wanted to uh, go back in and just do some improvements and borrow a little money for that. We have all those different type options here. Well, let's get right to it. So what what are the rates right now? You know, we talked about really effective rates in the twos on equipment, uh, but take me through the different terms you guys are offering. That's probably the most common question I get is who can finance this land? How long can they finance it for? What's my down payment going to be? And what's the interest rate? And that's right. It all depends on the individual, on what they're looking for uh, as far as term, length, all kinds of different options out there. Biggest thing, you know, a lot of times you, we can offer a five-year all the way up to a 20-year. Uh, you know, if you're kind of looking at 20-year rate and terms right now, and a, you know, just say a 20-year loan with a 20-year fixed rate, you're probably looking around four and a half right now. The factor in the 1% dividend that we have paid back, you know, you're looking down in the three and a half. Same thing, of course, the shorter the term, the lower the rates. Let's say that you didn't want to finance it for the full 20-year term, and you say, for instance, you've have it maybe what a five year that you plan on paying this thing back, you know, of course that you can do a 20 year term with a five year fixed rate, you know, so you, you get down into the threes, you know, by that point in time. So like I said, just all kind of different options. It, it all fits in what the bar wants to do, uh, what their goals are, what what's best for them uh, is, is kind of how we factor and, and look at these terms and rates. Well, Justin, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's all dependent on the goals of the borrower. We talk about that a lot on here. It's very dependent on the land, depending on what you were trying to do. So if folks want to get up with you there in the wiregrass and look at what their options are and what's right for them, how do they reach out to you? And then if, if they just want to look for their local uh, Alabama Ag Credit uh, office, where, where should they go to get more information and, and speak to one of you guys? Yeah, if you're just looking for a local Alabama Ag Credit office, of course, we cover the southern portion of the state. You know, you can go to our website, alabamaagcredit.com. Of course, we have nine different locations throughout Alabama, so you can kind of pick and choose what location you're looking at and call uh, that certain office. Of course, if you want to reach out to me, I'm here in the Dothan office. You know, my, my cell phone is 334-432-0900. You know, you can call me anytime, day or night. I've always got that phone with me, so... 
you know, if you ever got any questions about land finance and or financing or anything such as that, just give me a call. I'll be more than glad to help you. Of course, you can call our Dothan office directly. If you want to look for uh, any of our loan officers here in the Dothan office, that we're all great and easy to work with. Uh, that direct line is 793-9811. And you could speak with either uh, myself, Amanda Reed, or Darren Cannon. So. All right, Justin. Well, thanks for updating us. And uh, we'll look forward to talking to you again soon, man. We really appreciate it. You're right. Thank you, guys. All right. Let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. Photonis Defense is proud to offer the PD Pro line of night vision systems. These ultralight, ultra-compact night vision systems deliver the cleanest image, best resolution, smallest, most transparent halo, and best overall performance and function of any night vision system available. Check them out. Photonis Defense, Masters of Darkness. And also brought to you by Bucks Island Marine. They have new pontoon boats, bass boats, bow riders, and aluminum boats for sale. They provide boat service on all kinds of boats, even if they weren't purchased from Bucks. You can visit them at 4500 Highway 77 in Southside, Alabama, or give them a call at 256-442-2588. And also brought to you by Intercoastal Safaris. So you're at the beach and fishing isn't quite your thing? That's fine. Let's head one hour north of Panama City Beach and shoot some pigs. Intercoastal Safaris has night vision and all-you-can-shoot ammo. And, yep, they're shooting ARs. There's no trophy fees and no bag limits. Night vision pig hunts with AR-15s one hour north of the Emerald Coast. Head over to intercoastalsafaris.com to find out more. Well, Clint, the topic of today's show is going to be trapping. Fawns are going to be hitting the ground in my area about August 1st, give or take. When do they, when do they typically hit the ground around your place? About the same. I mean, I it seems to ebb and flow a little bit with the with the weather. I mean, with these extreme hot and cold years we get, it seems sometimes, but around the same. Yeah, I think that, you know, we've all heard about coyotes and how many fawns they kill. And this is the time of year that if you're going to do some trapping, uh, it seems reasonable to me. This ought to be a, a time you should focus on. But we're going to go to the expert today on this and so today joining us from north american trapper we've got alan probes alan welcome to hunting land man tell us a little bit about north american trapper first of all i appreciate you having me on north american trapper i've had a pretty much a passion for going one-on-one against uh, the critters since i was about seven years old and caught my first muskrat with my dad so i got done with uh, my baseball career in early 2000s and I decided, you know, I'm going to start this North American Trapper where I'm going to try and do some videos and educate people on the value that trapping has. And, you know, here we are almost 20 years later. And it's, you know, the education process is slow at times. uh, But I think that I know we're going to be talking about deer and things of that nature today. But, you know, I I try and stay on top of a lot of different things uh, when it comes to predators and things like that. And across the country, pretty much, the turkey sightings and and turkey uh you know hunting numbers were way down pretty much every state to where some states are even you know looking at changing some guidelines as far as limiting birds and things of that nature so the the predation is definitely something that uh you know is something that we have to go after and you know here at North America Trapper what I've tried to do is create something that educates you know hunters farmers ranchers uh, on how they can become the steward of their own land, but it's also uh, able to teach, you know, homeowners and the public as well. 
you know, there's been a lot of discussion about trapping versus habitat. And, you know, a lot of people say, no, you got to focus on habitat and that kind of thing. And the reality in the Southeast, at least, is that a lot of your hunters are hunting leased land and they don't have control of the habitat, but they still want to do things to help the game populations. And trapping is one of those things that they can do. They can get the equipment. They can go out on the property and trap. And so that's what we want to cover today. And specifically, we want to talk about coyotes right here during fawning season, uh, which in different parts of the country is already here, but it's definitely relevant. So first off, say what you want about habitat, but I know that if I trap a coyote, that coyote is not taking any more game off my property. Now, another one may fill in right behind him, but I know that one's not doing anything. So how many fawns does a coyote kill per year on average? I mean, does that change based on where you are in the country? Well, I think I think demographics have a lot to do with that. Uh, your prey species numbers obviously are going to have a lot to do with that. Your predator numbers are going to have a lot to do with that. I think the best point you made there leading into this was if you take that specific coyote out of the equation, he's definitely not eating a fawn. And there is something to be said about habitat improvement and all these different things, because it's not just one thing, you know, it, it's almost like politics sometimes when you get into some of these issues where, well, I think trapping or I think habitat improvement and really in essence, what it is, is, is a common ground where you're kind of doing all of these things to enhance your land. And I'm sure I'll say it, you know, 10 times, but uh, I'm really big on trying to teach people and show them how to be the steward of their own land. And with being the steward of your own land is doing everything that you can to help better set your ecology of your own property. No matter if it's 10 acres, 50 acres, or 5,000 acres, you can still do that. Uh, one thing with the getting back to your question, I don't know the exact numbers. And, and there are studies out there where you know, one and a half to two predations per critter, you know, but you really have to look at what you have, where you're at in the country. Um, but as you said at the beginning, I think the best point is every predator you take out of the equation is one less predator that's going to be harassing the deer, the turkeys, the fawns, the poults, however you want to look at it that way. I agree. And the other thing that I've, I always think of too is that, you know, we're out there manipulating game populations ourselves and we're manipulating the habitat, whether that be positively or negatively. Uh, a lot of times humans in general are out negatively manipulating the amount of habitat that is available for these game populations or we're fragmenting the habitat where they don't have as large a contiguous uh, habitat to do the things that they need to do and have all the resources they need to have. So if we're going to be the apex predator and we're going to be out there manipulating these game populations, manipulating the habitat, then why will we not focus on manipulating predator populations as well? And so I think that it goes without saying that a trapping program is definitely part of being a land steward. And like you mentioned earlier, you know, it's, it's not the one thing you do that makes all the difference. It's the 1% difference you make this week, next week, the following week. And you look back over a year or five years and you can say, wow, look at the progress we've made because I did little things right uh, a lot of times. 
So getting back to coyotes, getting back to trapping, do you have a favorite quote unquote best coyote trap? I mean, we see a lot of stuff about foothold traps and snare traps. And, and I know that people say it's, it's complicated to, to trap a coyote. So just take me through the basic supplies that you think somebody's going to need to equip themselves with if they want to get out there and start trapping coyotes on their property. Well, you know, that question kind of leads into what I'm trying to do here at North American Trapper. We have kits that are set up specifically for that. Uh, we have the farmer, the rancher, and the hunter kit. And most of the hunter and the farmer are geared towards uh, raccoons, possums, skunks, your nest raiders. But the rancher is geared towards catching coyotes. And what is in our kit is what I feel is the best trap on the market uh, for the money, for durability, for quality. Duke Traps came out with uh, their Pro Series a couple years ago, and I used the 550. It's a number. It's called a number 550 Duke, and that is the only trap that I'm putting in the ground when I'm going after bobcat, fox, coyote, anything, anywhere I set across the country. I traveled last year to eight different states uh, filming for our North American Trapper TV show, and in those eight states, I was all the way from the Adirondacks of New York to the mountains of Montana on the Idaho border. And I sent the 550 and caught coyotes in every region. So the 550 Duke is what I'm using. It's a fantastic trap. And that's what comes in our kits. There's not really a lot of other equipment that you're going to need to get started. You obviously have to have a good bait and lure. And, and we have those that, that we make and we you know stand by that. But pretty much any bait or lure on the market uh, that somebody has out is going to work for you in those situations. You're going to need, you know, basically a stake to stake it in the ground that's going to hold a coyote. And from there, you dig a hole, you sift some dirt over your trap. If it's bedded, you know, 99% of your problems as a predator trapper is not bedding your trap correctly. If you bed your trap in the ground, and you specifically make sure there's no wiggle, no wobble, cover it, have something in the hole that entices them to work the set, you're going to catch them anywhere across the country. But the Duke 550, I got a little long-winded there. Sorry about that. But the Duke 550 is the top, the top trap that I'm using. And they also have a 650, which is a little bigger and a little stronger, which a lot of the Western guys uh, like to use as well. You mentioned baits and, you know, you said just about any of them will work. Is there any thought process behind baiting? I mean, are you trying to do, uh, you trying to mix it up at all or uh, are there some that will last longer or more potent? I mean, just take me through some basic baits. Well, you know, your basic bait in my eyes and what I try and do, and, and I'm not one of those lure and bait makers who's everything's a secret. I mean, we tell people exactly what we put in our mountain man bait. Our mountain man bait is four equal parts of ground Angus, ground prairie dog, fresh, ground rendered prairie dog, where you let it rot a little bit to get just a little bit of a taint. And then we cure it with salt and sodium benzoate. And then the other 25% is ground poultry. So when I make a bait, I want that bait to be a very, very good food source. There are baits that are louder on the market, which will mix in some skunk essence and will taint the bait, taint the meat really, really far into the tainting process to where they really smell bad. Now, 
that doesn't deter those animals, but I like what, you know, it's probably because I wouldn't eat rotten meat, but I like that sweet, fresh scent that we have with our bait, but there are other ones on the market that allow for you to have a choice. You know, there's there's a lot of different uh, lures that are out there, gland lures, call lures. You really kind of, if you like somebody, you buy from them. That's the kind of what I tell people in my seminars. I'm a bait and lure maker. If you like me, buy from me. If you like this guy, buy from him. Pretty much every bait that's on the market is going to work for you. But when it comes to a bait, uh, I like a sweeter food. Now, that gets me in trouble sometimes with with some of the possums and skunks and things of that nature. But, you know, that's part of trapping, too, taking those out of the equation. And if I'm on a property and I'm after coyotes and I still catch a skunk, a coon, or a possum, I'm still taking a nestrator out of the out of the equation for the landowner so uh i don't know how else i can put it but i don't feel that you can ever overdo it with bait uh if you have a good bait are there any baits out there that may attract coyotes better than let's say bobcats i know in our area they have a the seasons are different you know as far as when you can and can't target bobcats is there any mixture that you would recommend over another or is it just one of those things where you've got to take your chances well, you know, the thing is, bobcats are actually really easy to catch. And if you've done any trapping, if you're on their habitat, if you're in their house, you're going to catch them. I mean, I, I really personally think you can catch them with a bear trap. They're not hard to catch. They can be blocked down and things of that nature. Uh, I don't really, in my eyes, I think if you're attracting a coyote or a fox or a or whatever you know bobcat if they're close enough and smell it they're going to be attracted to it too you can you know you're getting into some really deep stuff here with that question though i mean if you wanted to specifically target only coyotes man i i don't know if just making full gland bait and mixing just coyote glands in it and, and that's a subject that you know, that's a lot more work than, than you're probably going to get as far as your efforts. You probably are like, oh, I'm going to try this new bait, and I think it's only going to work for coyotes, and probably chances are you're going to go back the next day and have a bobcat in that. <laughs> well, that's why I asked you. I had a landowner ask me the other day, and I said, man, you know, I've never been asked that. I don't I don't know, but luckily we're going to be talking to a guy. You know, what bites, one so. animal and one critter is going to find inviting and appetizing enough to work a set and probably pretty much every other critter if he gets a whiff of it's gonna 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 go after that as well so as far as timing i mean what do you consider the most critical period to trap in terms of we know we want to be within the legal seasons but other than that what do you consider the most effective well the most effective is obviously in my eyes going to be that two to four week period right before your your uh fawns and and nest spring is really but you know a lot of the seasons that's where you get into if you're a landowner versus uh a, you know trapper through your licensing your seasons more generally go out uh the seasons are not set up for you know predators to be taken out of the equation for fawns and turkeys and things of that nature they're set up you know, for years and decades and generations for the fur mark. And your best fur is in the fall and the winter. So most of your seasons for trapping 
are set up in that middle of October, late October through mid to late January. Now, the biggest thing, if you're a landowner, you may be able to, you know, get that special permit or have somebody come in under a special permit. I think any time through the season, just like going back to what we were talking about earlier, anytime you can take a predator out of the equation, that's one less predator. You know, you pick your optimum time to be out there going after these animals. It is that two, three, four weeks uh, where you hit them hard right before the fawns are dropping or, or right before the, the turkeys are nesting. And any ground birds, pheasants, grouse, quail, it doesn't matter. When they're nesting in the spring, that two to four week period uh, and any time you can get to that uh, range, that's, that's probably the best time if you're looking to help stay away from them predating on those, those smaller animals. Yeah, it's interesting. I, you know, I wouldn't have, I wasn't sure about that. If it's something that you should really focus on prior to uh, the drop or during uh, while they're actually hitting the ground um, and while they're very young and being predated upon heavily. Uh, I've heard some things about, you know, you take a predator out, another one's just going to fill that, fill that gap. How quickly does that happen, Alan? I mean, like if I, you know, if I know my area, let's just say my average date of uh, fawns going to be born is August 1st. And so I'm spending the month of July as much time as I can trapping as many coyotes as possible on my property. Is there any, any knowledge on as far as how long that, that difference is going to uh, last? Could it fill in overnight uh, with another predator or well, how much are they moving? Well, here's the, there is a study out there, and I, if you need the link, I can find it for you because I have it saved on my computer with about 500 other ones. There is a study that somebody did over a few-year period where they came to the conclusion through their data that if you take the coyote out of the equation on your property, another coyote will fill that void within a two- to three-week period. Yeah, if you're trapping hardcore in advance of, of fawns hitting the ground and you do it right up to that period and maybe even a little during that period, I mean, you're potentially giving your land a break from, from, from a coyote for, for that period of time. And that may be enough to get them up and, and strong enough where they're able to fend for themselves better. Uh, I would imagine that that period where they're uh, just being born is probably their most susceptible uh, period of time. So it makes a lot of sense what you're saying. There's right before leading up to. Well, yeah, that, that first that two weeks, that first yeah. two weeks of a fawn or a poult. Now you have to also take into consideration, you know, the, the coyotes are, are dropping their offspring too. So if, if you can get out there and, and take them out of the equation before they drop their offspring in that early spring season, you know, you're not just taking the coyote you caught out of the equation. You, you're, you're taking that possibly three, four, five coyotes out of the equation. So mm. here's what's happened, you know, and it's not been overnight, but we have human expansion and, you know, we're taking more and more of their habitat. There's less trappers now because the fur market is abysmal. So if you have less trappers and we're taking more of their habitat, where are all the predators going in the prey? They're all getting pushed into smaller areas, which is going to increase that pressure on all, well, any prey species, but all of your deer and your turkey and all the things of that nature. So 
you you really have to know your land and and we'll go back to being the steward of your own land you have to know your land you have to have you know i can't stress it enough how good game cameras can be used to your advantage you can put them up on you know your corners of your fields your woods you're going to not only get your deer populations you're going to get your predator populations you're going to be able to see over a month or two of some strategically placed game cameras, you're going to be able to have a good idea of what your land is. And that can be 10 acres, 50 acres. If you have 500 acres or 5,000 acres, you're obviously going to need to have a lot more game cameras, but you can still get some good, hard data that's going to allow you to know that, well, geez, I saw 12 different deer on the cameras. And we got seven different coyotes. We got 22 coons, you know, so, you know, you can do a lot of things, but you can't just trap and think I trapped. Okay. I trapped for two weeks and three weeks and I caught uh, six coyotes and I did this and I did that. And now I'm good. This is a continuing thing. This is no different than uh, managing your land and planting a food plot and all these different things they have to be done and they have to be done year in year out and you're going to see a difference i don't know if you know who dr grant woods is uh he does the deer tv yeah we've interviewed he bought a piece of ground okay yeah he bought a piece of ground so you know his story he bought a piece of ground and there's really nothing different his ground was probably worse than a lot of other ground out there as far as being habitat rich for game but he turned it into kind of a its own little ecosystem by using trapping methods by planting crops by being the steward of his i don't know how many acres he has 100 acres 70 acres 150 acres whatever it is whatever he did he's really shown that you can do this across the board if you put the time and the effort into it, but they trap their property every year to take out these, you know, nest predators and fawn killers. I like what you said. You're going to have to do this year in and year out. Everybody thinks about planting their food plots and, and doing all the things that they, you know, maybe enjoy doing. Uh, I think a lot of people just don't trap because it, it's either timing or it is a um, lack of knowledge. So that being said, you know, average your average landowner in the United States has not owned thousands of acres of land. They probably own less than 150. So, if that's the case, how much do you need to trap? Uh, you know, I mean, is it a is it a per acre thing, or is it a uh, like you said that taking that inventory and seeing you got a predator problem? You know, Clint, I know, I know, Clint, you probably thinking like, how many traps do I need? I know you were thinking about that before the show. Yeah, my. I'm always a per acre guy on everything land related. So I'm thinking, all right, I got 200 acres. So do I need 10 traps, five traps? You know, how do I make that decision? Yeah, that's where your game cameras come in. It's where you can get a a, a good impression of your numbers. Um, I'm sure you know who Cus Strickland is. I got the opportunity, you know, I've been friends with him for a long time. I went down and he wanted me to come down. And I went down and taught his grandkids how to trap. Actually, I have an infomercial that's going to be running on Pursuit Channel, the Rural Farm Channel, the Cowboy Channel, starting in September. But I'm actually releasing it tomorrow on Facebook and Instagram and all that. But got Cuz involved, and, and Cuz says at the beginning, and I appreciate him being part of it, but he says, 
I, I was never a trapper, but he's a trapper now. He understands after I went there, I was there for a week and taught his grandkids how to, to trap, which was one of the coolest things I was able to do this whole last year filming and, and everything was to see the look in their eyes when they caught their first critters was, was well worth every amount of uh, miles and, and you know the time and everything. It was awesome. But he's part of my infomercial, and, and, and he, you know, says in there, I was never a trapper, but now I am. And he understands the Nestorator issue. And um, you may know Brad Harris. Uh, he has done a lot with Realtree. I'm not sure if you remember him when, when he was the kind of the spokesman for Loman back in the late 90s. But I actually got a chance to go out on one of his properties, which was 30-some hundred acres. And we had six guys in camp and we all had our own plot and we all went and trapped our own plot on that. We had about 600 acres each on that 600 acres. I was specifically going after coyote, but I, I did put some dog proofs in for coons when I saw trails and things like that. Ended up catching a dozen, 15, whatever uh, raccoons. But we each had our own 600-acre kind of plot on that 3,600 acres. And on that 600 acres, I uh, put, I think, 32 sets in the ground. So that's I'm glad you said sets because I think that's an important thing to key in on. You know, you're, you're, you're kind of at about a one set per 50 acres, so based on what you just told me. Is more better in trapping? Uh, is, it, is it all about, hey, the more sets I have – the more predators I'm going to catch, or is it more like the better the set I have? So really keying in on this would be a good set to make, and I can catch twice as many predators in this one set as I can of having two inferior sets. Take me through what you think well, about that. That's, that's a good point. Yeah, that's a good point. It's always, I think, pretty much anything in life, it's quality versus quantity every time. I think quality is always going to win. Now, what I'm doing in most of those situations is I'm finding locations where two two tracks meet on a field edge or where there's a cut through from one field to another where it's kind of four to six different intersections. Um, and I'm not just putting one set. If I'm making a set at a location, I'm putting at least two, usually three. If I find a good location, I'm going to have three sets within a 15, 20 foot area. And that's because they're going to run in pairs. They're going to sometimes run in threes. You know, you get a bunch of young bachelor group running or whatever. But if, if you find an area that you think is a good area to make a set, you definitely have to have at least two at that location because there's a, not only is the the chance of catching two of them if they're running in pairs, but if let's say you have a coon or a possum comes by and gets in your set. Well, if you don't have another set, you can't catch a coyote if he comes by. So you're going to go back there the next day to your one set and go, oh, the coon ruined my set. You know, you can put two sets there and go back in and have a coon and the coyote. So you always, if you find a location inviting for, for one uh, trap or set, you definitely 
want to put two or three or whatever. Yeah, that intersection that Joe and I set up on turkey hunting where Joe fell asleep would be a good one because we seem to have a lot of action through there. No matter, I mean, of all types of game, I've got some pictures of multiple coyotes coming through, coons, even a gopher tortoise, one of the most interesting uh, yeah. game camera pictures I've ever got. He's so yeah, I, so I can see that because you know you got areas where they frequent and and you'd hate to catch the small game and mix miss the big catch. Speaking of that, if you've got an area like that where you're trying to get in and you know keep some traps down in those areas, how much are you worried about scent control? Are you trying to slip in, slip out with as little impact as possible, or how much does that matter? I don't worry about scent control at all. I, I got a nasty habit. I chew Copenhagen. I'm spitting all over the place. I'm touching the bait with my gloves. I'm touching the lure with my gloves. You know, canines, you got dogs that walk around airports picking out explosives. And you just, you're never going to fool a coyote's nose. They know that a human's there. I really feel if even if you're in a hazmat suit, they're going to know a human was there. And so you'd be hard pressed to find a coyote in this country that hasn't smelled a human either. And most of your trappers or population is going to be in South Dakota East, which is where more of the problems are with the coyotes, because that's where the human expansion is. And that's where the multitude of your hunters are as well. So they've smelled humans. I don't worry about it. I don't worry about scent. I feel if I make a good set and my bet, my trap is bedded properly. If I have that 550 Duke bedded to where there's no wiggle, no wobble, and I have something down in the hole that invites them to work the set. I think you could literally urinate around your set and whatever. You're still going to catch these animals. They're, they, they, there's been this myth that they're hard to catch. Well, they're hard to catch if you don't put your trap in the ground properly. That is true. But if you do a few simple things, and really the one thing is bed the trap properly where there's no wiggle that if they, and what I mean by that is if they step on, you know, the lever to the right or the jaw or whatever, that it goes down and, and pulls up on the other side, that trap has got to be tight in the ground. It's almost like it's, it's being set in mud where you're pushing it down in the mud to where it's in there tight the whole way around. If you do that, you will solve 99% of all problems that you'll have as a trapper going after canines. And to that end, if you dispatch a, a coyote on site right there in your trap, does that mess you up to reset it or do you need to move it? I love it. Does that scent type mess you up or you just reset it and, and get back after it? Nope. I, I'm a firm believer that that disturbance, that scent, I don't worry about the blood. I don't worry about any of that. That is is an automatic, automatic attractant to any uh, other canine coming through there. I don't care if I catch a possum, a skunk. I love catching skunks. If I catch a skunk the first night, I love it. Because what's skunk mean in nature? It means death. How many times have you ever been walking through the woods? All the hours and years that you've spent in the woods. Have you ever walked through the woods and smelled a skunk? No. Very, unless you found one that was killed and whatever, but that just doesn't happen. You smell a skunk when you're driving down the road and 300 yards later, it's laying dead along the road. A skunk smell in nature means death. So what does any predator automatically think when they're downwind of smelling a skunk? Well, they think, wow, geez, that might be a free meal. So every coyote, every bobcat, every fox, every predator 
that's why skunk is such a, a good ingredient in your baits and lures because it's a good attractant into that general area. But that means death in nature. And, and you know, these, these animals are opportunists. Coyotes are thieves. I mean, they're always looking to, to steal a carcass or steal some, some other predator's food. So they're going to smell that. They're going to automatically just their natural instinct to work in there and see if they can get a free meal. So finishing up that question, I love when I catch something because then that whole area is not only smell from that animal, but it's also disturbed. And that acts as an attractant. Any animal coming by sees it's all tore up. Well, you got your trap bedded right in the middle of that. So, yeah, I definitely love making remakes uh, after catches for sure. So, Alan, you know, you're talking about Grant Woods earlier. He lives right there on his property. And, I mean, that's awesome. I think that's something that most most hunters wish they live right there at their property. But I think the vast majority of guys are a good distance away from their properties. They're not always going to be in a situation where they can go run the trap line every day. So I think we need to talk about guys being able to do something on the weekends or when they're there. And that being said, you know, if I'm going to go out over a three day weekend, maybe I'm going to do my, some summer planting, maybe I'm doing uh, some springtime Turkey hunting and I want to run uh, run a trap line while I'm there. I want to make the most of my time because I don't have as much time. So once I've got my sets, I've picked out my spot. I've put two or three sets, like you mentioned. And I mean, I, we know what kind of trap we need. We know what kind of bait we need. We've, we've talked about locations, talked about how many sets to make. And we go back and we check it the first day and we got nothing. How long do you want to wait to try a d- different location to move your set, change something up? Uh, okay. I, I will say the only thing with especially coyotes is that if I'm going into an area to target them specifically, I'm going to want to give that at least seven days, seven to 10 days, because they didn't get the name Wiley Coyote for no reason. They, they are Wiley. They are, they are not as hard to catch as people say, but they still are, you know, they're still Wiley. <laughs> There's, that's a great name for them. But if you are trying to be a weekend warrior to catch coyotes by setting Friday night at dark and pulling Sunday morning before you go back home, that makes your job tough because a lot of times they may be coming by and they smell it, they see it. And this happens a lot in Pennsylvania. I'm able to see it in the snow. If I make a set, I'll see where a coyote comes down the road, stops, kind of turns, kind of doesn't work the set, and then gets back on the two track and goes down the road. And the worst thing you can do, anybody listening to this that that has that situation, the worst thing you can do at that point is think you did something wrong. No, he just didn't like, he's like, "Eh, I don't know about that. But here's the thing. He knows it's there. And 90% of the time, that coyote's coming back and working that set within two to three days. So if you're only there for two days, you're, you're missing them when they come back by because your traps aren't in the ground. They're not working. And the biggest thing when it comes to trapping coyotes, you want to give yourself at least seven to 10 days and the minimum that I would even think of putting anything in the ground for coyotes would be a five-day period. I I wouldn't waste my time. It's too hard, too much work putting in the set, pounding stakes, everything to do, and, and then just, you know, pull them out in two days. Now, you might catch one here, one there, but if you're gonna 
do some numbers. You have to, it's no different than anything else. If you're playing a food plot, you're going to get a better food plot if you fertilize it and do all the things necessary to grow a better food plot. If you're going to catch coyotes, you're going to have to dedicate and put some time into that as well. Well, Alan, you know, we talked about why we need to trap. I think that is pretty evident to most people. You did a good job explaining the supplies that you may need, the timing, when you want to trap, the different types of sets you might want to do. I mean, there's a lot here that we're not going to be able to unpack in one podcast. And so what's your recommendation to folks that want to get started trapping? Where would you tell them to go if they've heard this show? What would you tell them to do next? Well, once, you know, again, I appreciate you having me on to discuss this stuff. And I think it's something that all of us can do as, as outdoorsmen. The biggest thing is, it's just like hunting or fishing. If you go out there and you sit for a couple of days and you don't catch anything, don't, don't feel that you're doing something wrong. When you started out fishing, you weren't catching the lunker bass. You were catching a sunfish. And, you know, when you first started out hunting, you know, barring beginner's luck, you, you weren't shooting world-class bucks you've learned. So you have to start somewhere, get some traps in the ground. But if you're doing a few simple things, you're going to be successful and, and you're going to have success over time. And, and you're going to be able to do this pretty much anywhere across the country. And there's very little that you uh, have to do. As you said, we, we, we're not going to get through everything in an hour. It's hard to do that. But with North American Trapper, we've started a YouTube channel. We're continuing to place uh, instructional videos on there to show people how to, you know, use the dog proofs, how to use the Duke 550s for coyote. Um, a lot of different things that we're putting on there. We're going to continually update. We're doing the infomercial that's going to launch tomorrow on our North American Trapper social media as well. That'll be on YouTube and Facebook and Instagram. And that's a 30 minute infomercial. And uh, it's really a general showcase of getting started and it showcases our hunter our rancher and our farmer kits you know there's there's a lot of different opinions out there uh there's a lot of different ways that people do things and the biggest thing i would say is to just make sure you keep things simple don't overthink it don't think you have to boil your hands with your gloves to keep scent away and don't think that well i need to definitely do this because uh you know i i don't like the other bait pretty much any bait and lure is going to work for you that's on the market you know the traps i'm using the duke 550s for coyotes exclusively the duke dog proofs for the raccoons and we're using the duke uh one and a half double jaws uh for all of our water sets and you know so in i'm pretty much chasing every critter that we're going after for you know, three different traps. That's it. That's all I have, the equipment-wise. And you have a good bait lure, but the biggest thing, if you're going to really concentrate on canines and coyotes, is bedding the trap properly. I know I get redundant with that, but it is what it is. You bed that trap properly, and you have something down in the hole that invites them to work that set, you are going to be successful. And I'm always available on all the social media channels, North American Trapper on Facebook, North American Trapper on Instagram, and North American Trapper on YouTube. Uh, you have any questions, your listeners have any questions, uh, I'll be more than happy to help lead you in the right direction. And our website is northamericantrapper.com. You know, yeah. we tried to keep everything under the same brand. 
Well, Alan, it's, it's been a pleasure, man. I, I, I know you mentioned that water set and I know Clint's probably going to have some questions for you in another show on, uh, you got a beaver problem, don't you Clint? Yep. So there, there's our next show idea right there, Alan. It's been, it's been good, man. We appreciate your knowledge and you sharing it with us and, uh, we'll look forward to talking to you soon. I appreciate you having me on. Good luck. Clint, one of the things that I really love about doing this podcast is it allows us to interview the experts on all aspects of land ownership. You know, we cover, we've covered stuff from conservation easements and 1031 exchanges and buying land through your IRA to the nitty gritty trapping shows like we do today. And that's also what's so much fun about selling land, being a landowner is that there's a lot to it, man. It's very, uh, very diverse amount of information that's out there uh, for landowners to, to care about. And trapping is just one of those ways that you can make these improvements. And man, I can't tell you how much easier it makes it to sell a piece of land when wildlife populations are abundant. You got good, uh, good habitat, good record of uh, past hunting seasons and that kind of thing. I, I know you see a lot of that too. Yeah, no, that's been a, Anytime you can uh, see that, especially document it and what you've done and stuff like that, it creates a ton of value. Absolutely. Well, folks, that's going to wrap it up this week. Appreciate you joining us. We want to make it easy for you to listen. So here's a handy option for you to get the podcast emailed to you each week. Just text the word hunting to 773-770-4377. Again, just text the word hunting to 773-770-4377. You'll join our email list. And wherever you are listening to podcasts, go ahead, subscribe, rate, and review. Send us a written review. We'd love to hear from you. If you've got a show topic that you are interested in and like to see us cover, just email us at pros at landhunting.com. That's going to do it for us. Y'all stay safe out there. We'll talk to you next time. This week's Hunt and Land podcast has been brought to you by SunSouth. Own the best for less. Visit SunSouth for quality John Deere equipment you've been dreaming of or visit sunsouth.com. Sun South for those that do and also brought to you by Bucks Island Marine. They have new pontoon boats, bass boats, bow riders, and aluminum boats for sale. They provide boat service on all kinds of boats, even if they weren't purchased from Bucks. You can visit them at 4500 Highway 77 in Southside, Alabama, or give them a call at 256-442-2588. And also Brush Clearing Services. Check out their full line of property and land services at brushclearingservices.com or call them at 706-718-1690. And also brought to you by Pyramid Air. They believe air guns are for everyone, from big game hunting to fun trigger time to firearm training. Big selection, fast shipping, the air gun experts. Find out more at pyramidair.com. And also, Photonis Defense is proud to offer the PD Pro line of night vision systems. The PD Pro series is the world's smallest and lightest night vision goggles built around the Photonis 16mm filmless 4G image intensifier tubes and their hybrid filmless 18mm image intensifier tubes. These ultralight, ultra-compact night vision systems deliver the cleanest image, best resolution, smallest, most transparent halo, and best overall performance and function of any night vision system available. The PD Pro line consists of the PD Pro M 16mm monocular, the PD Pro B 16mm binocular, and the PD Pro Q panoramic night vision system. Check them out. Photonist Defense, Masters of Darkness.